First Corinthians, First Chronicles 4. Uh, we are on the third part of Jabez's prayer. Third part of the four, maybe five parts, depending how you divide his prayer up. First uh, Chronicles chapter 4. We should know this by heart now, but um, let's read it. And Jabez, verse 9 says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Can you say amen? God bless you as you're seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Three out of four. We'll call it five. Amen. So we're halfway through once we make it through here. Praise God. Were you blessed Sunday? It was a great time together, worshiping the Lord and uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, different, Six different people bringing different pieces, parts of the word of the Lord. It was a great time. Amen. My heart was blessed, and I pray that everyone continue in those blessings. Amen. All right. Let's look at this. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me. That's the King James Version. Let's read it in the New Living Translation. Verse 10, He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. and Keep me from all trouble and pain. So in the King James, it lends itself to five parts. New Living Translation, more to four. Again, we'll worry, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Amen. Be with me, Lord. Be with me. Let your hand be with me. Be with me. We've talked a lot about the the elements of Jabez's prayer. Um, And of course, I love that last sentence. And God granted him his request. It seems so offhand, so so easy, so simple. But friend, there's a lot of praying, a lot of communication, a lot of relationship that went into that prayer that got Jabez to the point where he could ask God these things. I won't say demand of God, but he, as a child of God, confidently asked God for these things. He was more honorable than his brethren, It says, more honorable than any of his brothers. I think the reason he is counted as more honorable is because he wanted to change. He wanted to be different. The moment you become satisfied with your standing in God, you become complacent. You become uh, at ease with yourself. And you don't feel that urgency to grow, to, 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 to put down deeper roots in God, to get closer to the presence of God, you're going to start slipping away. You become uh, just cold or lukewarm, rather. Lukewarm is the term. You become lukewarm at that point. 
neither hot nor cold, dangerous, dangerous state. If you're cold, God can get a hold of your heart. If you're hot, God can use you and bless you. But if you're in that lukewarm state, just kind of cruising along, it's tough for God to get your attention. So he was more honorable. He called on the God of Israel. He prayed to the God of Israel. We turn to many things when we feel like we need something. We turn to the podcasts. We turn to YouTube. We turn to friends. We turn to uh, psychologists, psychiatrists. We turn to medications. We turn to music. We turn to pleasure. We turn to things that will give us a little pick-me-up and, and hopefully get us out of the, 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 the borderline depression we may be going through. And uh, we look for things that will help us out. Jabez was more honorable. He wanted to change, and he did it the right way. Praise God. He called on the God of Israel. Friend, you want to get the right answer? Go to the right source. Amen. Dial the right number. Praise God. All right, so he prayed. We know that God granted him his request. The third part of his prayer is, Oh, please be with me in all that. I do. Let your hand be with me. Eerily similar to his prayer is the prayer of a man named Jacob. If you go with me to Genesis chapter 28. Jacob has fled his father's house. You know the story. We've talked about this recently. He lied. He cheated. His mom helped him. And now his dad is furious at him. His brother is swearing that he will kill him. Um, so he flees. He runs. He's looking for his uncle's house. Um, Jacob left Beersheba. says verse 10, traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to me. Let me pause there. The ground that you're going through today, the territory you're traversing today, may be foreign to you, but it's not foreign to God. You may think it's a strange land. You may think it's a barren wasteland. But God said, this ground that you're on, it belongs to me. I own this place. That's a comforting thing, friend, because there are times when we don't know where we're going next. We don't know the direction we're going. Just kind of like Abraham, right? God said, leave your uh, father's household and go to a land that I will show you. Where's that? Don't worry about it. Just start walking. Praise God. Amen. 
<laughs> that takes faith to uproot everything and start walking. Abraham many times, I guarantee you he had no clue where he was. They didn't have maps. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have Alexa or Siri. They didn't have anything like that to help them navigate where they were going through. But friend, God owned the land where Abraham was. Amen. And here where Jacob is, God says, I, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I said to God, it is to you. Why did he say that? I am giving it to you and to your descendants. You can't give it away if it's not yours to begin with. This was God's ground. This situation you're walking through is God's situation. God knows what you're going through. God understands what you're going through. And he's giving it to you. There's a difference in making you go through something and giving you the situation because you see once you own it you can conquer it you can survive you can come out victorious your descendants says verse 14 will be as numerous as the dust of the earth they will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east to the north and to the south all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants of course that is the messianic promise that he gave abraham passed on to isaac and now to jacob the covenant Verse 15, what's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. Look at these elements. I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. Did he say, I'll protect you if you're always in my perfect will? Did he say, I'll protect you if you never make a mistake? take the wrong path, get lost. Friend, we do that. God isn't a callous God that rejects us the moment we slip, stumble, fall, or take the wrong path. He said, I, will, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. It doesn't mean that it's the right path sometimes. But you know what? He's going to bring you back onto the right path. Amen. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Now, is God going to walk away from Jacob at some point? Is that what he's saying? I don't think God is ever going to be done with us, my friend. Think about it. I don't think God is ever going to be done working on us. We're going to be with him someday. And throughout eternity, he's going to keep on being God to us. Praise God. Amen. He's still going to be that father to us. We're still going to be sons and daughters to him. He's never done with us. He said, until I'm done with you, I'll be with you. And I'm not going to be done with you. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to be with you. I will bring you back to this land and not leave you until I finish giving you everything I have promised you. Now, Jacob was asleep when God told him these things. Uh, call it a dream. Call it a vision. Call it whatever. Jacob saw. God spoke to him while he was still 
quote unquote, asleep. But he retains what God told him. He knew what he saw. Uh, he, he, he was very convinced that this was real, what he had experienced. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it, Jacob says. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. This was a real experience that Jacob went through. Apparently, he went back to sleep. I don't know that I could have slept after all that. But it jumps, verse 18, the next morning, Jacob got up very early. I think that what God had spoken to him gave him such peace. You've got to understand the state he was in. He was carrying guilt. Yes, he knew he'd done wrong. He knew he was the deceiver. He knew he'd lied. He knew he'd cheated. He was running for his life. He thought his brother was on his heels coming to kill him. He didn't know where he was going. He was in the middle of wilderness, striking out, trying to reach his uncle's household. Not a great state of mind. Plus, you're sleeping under the stars. Uh, they had wild animals out there in the wilderness. David spoke of the bears and the lions that he dealt with. Um, and you know when you're out in the, the dark, everything comes alive, right? Every rustle, every whisper of wind, that's something breathing. Every sound is a footstep. You know he had to be on edge. And yet the words that God spoke to him in that vision, I believe, comforted him so much that he went back to sleep. And early the next morning, he got up. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He anointed it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. Now this vow is a prayer. This vow is it's an immature prayer, if you will. Jacob didn't have a great relationship with God. Let's just say that and get, get it over with, okay? Jacob did not have a great relationship with God. He didn't have the relationship with God that Abraham had, nor his father Isaac. He was just getting to know God. And yet God reached out in a marvelous, magnificent fashion in that vision and God reiterated to him the covenant of Abraham and Isaac now became Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This stuff is swirling in his heart and mind. And when Jacob prays, he makes this vow to God. It's an immature prayer. He does this, if you do this, Lord, then I'll serve you. Oh, Lord, if you heal me, then I'll be more faithful to church. Oh, God, if you help me with my financial pinch, then I'll, um, I'll give more offering and tithes. Lord, if you this, then I'll that. Lord, let's make a bargain. God isn't interested in our bargains, my friend. 
Did you hear me? God is not interested in our bargains. God wants us to serve him unilaterally. If you and I never felt the presence of God again, would we still serve God? If we never heard the voice of God again, would we still trust him and believe him? If we never saw another demonstration of his power, would we still believe that he is the Almighty? I wonder, because our humanity craves that sign. Jesus said, evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. You want the sign? The only sign I'll give you is the sign of the prophet Jonah. So I'll give you the gospel. I'll give you death, burial, and resurrection. That's all I'm going to give you so that you believe. Thomas, you needed to see in order to believe. I'm glad you came around, but you know what? Blessed are they that believe never having seen. God doesn't need a bargain from us. He wants us to say, I will serve you. I will follow you. I will believe in you. I will trust in you. No matter what comes my way, I know that you are God. Hallelujah. Kind of like Job said, and naked I came into this world. Naked I will leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If I never get anything back, if all I have the rest of my life is boils and death and destruction all around me, blessed be the name of the Lord. But Jacob wasn't there. He makes this vow. If. He starts out with that word. If. Don't you know God loves it when we start out a prayer with, Lord, if. Wait a minute. God isn't the God of ifs, ands, or buts. God is the God of yes and amen. Amen. He is present. He is real. He is the great I am. If God will indeed be with me, what did Jabez pray? Jabez wasn't making a bargain, though. Understand, Jabez' prayer is a mature prayer. He prayed as a child expecting his father to answer. He claims the promises and the rights of a child from his father. He says, oh, Lord, please bless me now indeed and expand my territories. And I pray that you will be with me, that your hand will be with me and that you will protect me from evil, that it not grieve me. No, if you do this, then I'll do that. He just, he walks in confidently praying that prayer to his God. Jacob says, if. You see, Jacob was still learning to know God. And God doesn't get angry with us when we pray that kind of prayer. Any more than a father or mother gets angry with a two-year-old for saying, why? 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 Ever been in that conversation with a two or three-year-old? And everything you tell them ends up with, why? Drive you crazy, won't it? 
we may get frustrated at the inability to communicate well, but we don't hate our kids for being kids. Amen? We don't hate our children for being immature. You're not born 20 years old or 26, which is about when the brain finishes developing. You're born zero. You start from scratch. You learn from your surroundings and your siblings, your parents, those you interact with as that infant, as that child. There's so much just constant learning and it's uh, assimilating and, and starting to put things together that the process that God has given us to learn and to grow and develop is magnificent. It's fascinating. We don't hate children for being children. We laugh at them because we're amused. I think God laughs at us sometimes because he's amused at how little we know, how little we understand, and how ineffective we are sometimes in our prayers. But you know what? I've seen a little bitty tyke get more from his parents with two or three stumbling words than a 26-year-old with a bad attitude trying to get something out of somebody. With all these eloquent words. You know, sometimes it is that simple faith of the child. And that simplicity. Yes, yeah, immature. Yes, yeah, not elegant. Yes, yeah, it's unpolished. But you know what? It's a raw, unfiltered, sincere prayer. God, I don't know if I can really trust you. That's Jacob's opening statement. His opening gambit is, God, I really don't know if I can trust you. I know Grandpa trusted you. I know dad trusted you. God, I don't know if this is for me. I really don't know yet. But I'm willing to give it a shot. J Jacob begins to pray the elements of Jabez's prayer. The same desire. God, I can't do this on my own. I'm smart enough to know I can't do it on my own. I'm lost without you. I need help. I need food. I need clothing. I need protection. I need somebody to guide me. I need God. And God, if you will do this for me, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will certainly, certainly be my God. A lot of ifs there, a lot of conditions. Seem hard for God, for nothing is difficult for God. Nothing's impossible for God. God's like, okay, bring it on. Anything else you want to add to the list? I'm all of that and more. Amen. Like that song we sang Sunday, he's more Wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than anything I can even begin to think of. More than amazing. More than marvelous. More than miraculous could ever be. God's like, okay, come on, man. Come on, just spit it out. Keep talking. I want you to get to the point where you say, I'll commit to you, God. If you do this, Lord, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then certainly the Lord 
will be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. Jacob didn't have a history of worshiping God. Abraham was the altar builder. Isaac was the digger of wells. Jacob, yeah, he was the deceiver. He had a long ways to go, but he got the beginning right. He began to pray the prayers that Jabez, all those years later, prayed so effectively as well. God, I need you. If you will please be with me, I need you with me. I need your hand to be with me. I need you to protect me on this journey. I need you to provide me food and clothing. I need you to take me safely back home. The Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up will become a place for worshiping God. Jabez prayed to the God of Israel. Friend, he worshiped God in his prayer and in his faith. And Jacob said, I'm going to do the same thing. God, you do your part. I'm going to respond to that. And I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my worship. I'm going to give you my faith. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This teaching is not about tithing, but I'll tell you what, friend. If your heart's right with God, your wallet will be as well. Can you say amen? Praise God. All right. So Jacob's prayer mirrors that of Jabez in so many ways. Um, do we have to ask God to be with us? Everyone's half asleep, but I see you waking up. He's in our hearts. Amen. The promise of God to us is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Quickly, let's see some verses uh, as we get ready to close here tonight. But I want to leave these the Scripture with you uh, because, again, the Scripture says it a whole lot better than I ever could. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse 5, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never, what? Leave you, King James says, New Living Translation says, I will never fail you. I will never fail you by leaving you, I think is a good way of summarizing, amen. I will never abandon you. King James, say that again, read it for me if you have it there. Who is King James? You're too late. Amen. I got it already. <laughs> I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never say never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What is the difference between leave and forsake? There you go. Leave, I'll come back. Forsake, you're on your own.